speaking yesterday, I shared a bit about my story, shared about, a bit about who I am, where I've come from, and uh, we ended by just looking at Jesus, but more than that, looking at the, uh, the man next to him on the cross, and actually that moment where he turned to Jesus and just said, oh, will you remember me? I've done so much wrong. And Jesus said, of course, today you'll be with me in paradise. So Jesus won him just as he's won you. That's where we ended yesterday. And we're going to go on uh, looking. I'm going to look at so another criminal, another guy who's done kind of bad stuff. We're going to be looking at the life of Paul today. We're going to be looking today at the fact that Jesus calls you to follow him. So we looked at the fact that Jesus is one yesterday. We're going to look today that he calls you to follow him. Tomorrow we're going to look at that Jesus has set you free. And then we'll end on Friday by looking at the fact that Jesus has a plan for you. An intentional plan for you and dreams for you. So today, just following on from yesterday, I really want to look at the fact that, um, you know, we, we were born into sin. We were born into a sinful world. The Bible says we were born into Adam. Adam was the first guy who sinned right at the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis, it tells us about it. And the Bible tells us we need to be born again. Something new needs to happen. We need to be born into Christ, into Jesus. Jesus is like the new Adam that come, the one who come and lived as Adam should have done, lived perfectly. He then died for us so that all of the sin that came before, all of the sin that was in Adam, all the sin we've done can be taken away, can be erased, and we can start a new life with him. We're born again when we decide we want to start following Jesus. So we looked at Jesus was God, and today we're looking at what it means to follow him. Because being a Christian, what being a Christian, Christian basically just means follower of Christ. That's what it means. We can put it into religion. It so much comes into religion or a bunch of rules or something like that. It's most simplest term. The reason they called them, they called them followers of the way or followers of Christ. It was a name just given to the people who followed Jesus. And following Jesus has got to be so much more than just waiting to get into heaven. Because if all we're doing is waiting to get into heaven, then all we're doing as Christians is just waiting to die. Our whole existence is just to be here and just wait until we die. And that's not what Jesus calls us for. He doesn't just call us to just sit and wait. He wants to give us new life. In the Bible, there's a letter called Romans. And in that, a a guy called Paul who wrote it writes that we need to die so that we can have new life. He says the call to follow Jesus is a call to die to who we were before. So not die physically, but die spiritually to who we were before, our life before, what was going on, where we were at, so that we can have a new life with Jesus and live in this life with Jesus, in him, in Christ, in a new way. And so today I want to look at who is Paul then? Who's this guy who wrote that letter? What's his deal? Because he has an amazing story. And he is such a good person to look at, at what it means to start a new life with Jesus. So Paul, Paul was a... Uh, came into prominence. We read a bit about his story in Acts. So I'm going to look at Acts 9, which is where we first kind of see Paul's, uh, the moment Paul decides to start following Jesus. Paul, he used to be called Saul. So at this point, he's Saul. He's very confusing. I won't go into it, but he has a name change at some point. Um, so his name's Saul. And uh, he's not that nice a guy, especially not to Christians. Basically, this guy's got it all going for him. Yeah? He's a younger guy. He's, he's a Pharisee, which just means he's kind of quite high up with all the Jews. Um, he's going quite well in the Jewish uh, religion. People like him. He's very well educated. He's quite a popular figure. He's coming into prominence. He's getting good stature. probably had good money. He definitely had a good education. He was um, well liked. And he was a leader. And he was up and coming leader. So he's got his life ahead of him. He's loving where he's at. And... Um, 
there's this moment, he's, he kind of, the Bible tells us he starts overseeing the persecution and the executions of Christians. He hates Christians, yeah? This guy is dedicated to reading the Old Testament. He's dedicated to uh, God. He's saying, these guys are hypocrites. They are blasphemers. They're people that are desecrating the name of God. They're saying that this man, Jesus, is God. That's horrendous. We can't have people saying that. We've killed Jesus off. They're saying Jesus is alive. They're saying that he was the Messiah. We can't have that. We must kill them. They must be wiped out. That's who Paul, that's who Saul was. That was his life. Get rid of the Christians. This is my job. I'm going to do it. And there's this moment that was described in Acts 9 where he goes to the high priest. He sees this. This is his chance, yeah, to really get in there with the top dogs. He's thinking, no, I'm on this road to promotion. This, the way I'm going to get noticed, I'm going to go to the top dogs. I'm going to go to the high priest and say, look, I've heard in Damascus, he's in Jerusalem, he's saying in Damascus, this uh, town down the road, this other city, He's going, I want to go there because I've heard there are Christians there. There are people saying, Jesus is God, and I'm not having it. I want, to go and, I want to go and have it out with them. I want to arrest them. Will you give me a letter? Will you give me some letters so that I have the authority of the high priest of the temple to go and arrest these Christians, bring them back to Jerusalem, and we'll make examples of them? That's who Paul was, who Saul was. He would hate this at that moment. He would hate this setting of people coming and worshipping. I was saying, Jesus has won us. He's going, no, no, you must all die. That's who he was. Bad guy. So he's on his way to Damascus then. The priest says, yeah, go for it. You go and get him. You go and do it. So he's on his way to Damascus. He's got his friends with him. He's all mobbed up. He's ready to go and get these, uh, get these Christians. And suddenly, on this road, we read in Acts 9, boom, this light just blinds him, knocks him to the floor, this massive, blinding, powerful, godly light that he can't explain. He's knocked flat onto the floor. What is going on? Just suddenly in the middle of this road out of nowhere. And we read, uh, we read suddenly as he falls, this, this, this voice booms to him. It says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul says, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? The voice replies, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Now if I was Saul at this point, I'd be bricking myself. <laughs> Absolutely bricking myself. You have been dedicating your life to wiping out all the people that say Jesus is God. Yeah, you've been killing them, you've been persecuting, you've been mocking them, you've been rallying up the crowd, you're saying, these guys are wrong, Jesus is not God. And then suddenly Jesus comes in the power of God, the guy that you know is dead, you know he's been killed, you know he's died on the cross, suddenly meets you with the full power of God and says, I am Jesus who you've been persecuting. You think, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dead. What is going to happen here? What have I, I'm wrong. He really was who he said he was. He knows what I'm going to do then because he's God. He knows what I've done. He's met me in this road to the point the light is so powerful. The Bible describes he's even been blinded by it. He must be crippled with fear. This is both one of the most exciting things that has ever happened to Saul, but also the most terrifying. Saul is a firm believer of the Old Testament. He believes all the prophecies, so he does believe a Messiah is to come. He does firmly believe that God is going to send someone. He's going to check. He just thinks that's not Jesus. This guy is mocking the Jewish faith. This guy is not who he says he is. And suddenly Jesus comes and goes, no, I am that Messiah. And Paul's like, crap. 
man, what am I going to do, Jesus? She just like the thief on the cross yesterday. He must just expect that Jesus is going to go, I'm going to wipe you out right now. That's it. Game over, mate. I'm not letting you go and mess with my Christians anymore because they're telling the truth. You've been telling lies. You're gone. But Jesus doesn't. He says, get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. And he's blind now as well, so it's not even an easy task for him. Yeah? He, can't, he can't see anything. He has to, his mates have to help him to the city. There's this fella that uh, Jesus talks to um, and he kind of says to this guy, he's Christian in, um, in, in Damascus. And Jesus speaks to him while Saul's on his way. And he says to him, look, this guy's going to come to you, Saul. He's, gonna, he's, he's blind. Uh, he's, I've met him on the road. He kind of needs to know about Jesus. You must talk to him. Um, and kind of this guy, Ananias, this guy God's just spoken to, he goes like, I've heard of this bloke, Saul. Uh, are you sure it's me you want to send? <laughs> this guy's the Christian killer, and he like it's kind of um, it's the kind of the reason we're in hiding because he's coming. And Jesus goes, go, go, and that nice is so obedient. Something's changing this guy. He goes. He thinks I'm going to go to this fellow. Then I'm going to go to Saul. I'm going to be obedient. He prays over Saul. Saul's eyes are immediately healed. He can see again. And Saul, something dramatically changes in this man. So he's met Jesus who he is. He's been spared by Jesus. His life's been saved because he's met with the full power of God and hasn't died. So something amazing's happened here. Something has just changed in, in Saul, Paul. Something in this moment has just changed in him. Because it says in the rest of that chapter, what happens is, where he was supposed to start going to the synagogues and finding Christians and um, rounding them up and arresting them, he suddenly starts preaching Jesus is Lord. He suddenly starts telling him, Jesus is the Messiah. He really was who he says he was. We've killed the Messiah, but more than that, he's risen from the dead. He's back. He's alive. He's God. I've met with him. And people are blown away. They're thinking, is this the same guy? What's this all about? Isn't this, isn't this Saul who, who's persecuting the Christian? Is Saul who's one of the Pharisees? Aren't they the ones, aren't the Pharisees the guys who killed Jesus? What's happened? And Paul teaches us in this moment, because he writes a bit later, in a, he writes loads of letters. Paul writes most, about 13 books of the New Testament, and most of them are letters to churches he goes around planting. And uh, he's, he's one of the greatest church planters of the early church. He becomes an apostle. He becomes this amazing teacher of who Jesus is. He shares the gospel with anyone and everyone who will listen. And in this letter he writes, eventually he's arrested for this. Yeah? He's arrested for being... Um, for, for preaching Jesus because the Jews hate him. They turn on him because he's suddenly turned their, they feel he's turned their back on them. They can't see he's trying to save them. And he writes this letter to the church in Philippi. It's called Philippians. And in it, he says exactly what he means. He kind of goes, it's a great letter to read. It's very short. But in Philippians 3, he says about all the stuff he had before. Because in this moment, when he starts preaching in those synagogues, he's abandoned his status. No one has, holds him highly regarded anymore because he's just turned his back on exactly who he was. They're thinking, this guy, he, he can't even stand by what he is. So he gives up his wealth. He gives up his power. He gives up his influence. He's never becoming high priest now. He's never going to have um, a big kind of move into the temple now. They're, they're all disregarding him now. But what he says about that, while in prison, so even pursuing the gospel means he even loses his, his earthly freedom. 
He says, but whatever were gains to me before, the money, the, even the chance of being married, the chance of having kids, the, the respect, the power, the easiness of life, whatever were gains to me before, I consider them loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. The Greek word's so strong that you could even translate it crap or a word I'd probably get in trouble for if I said it on stage. Um, just utter rubbish. I consider all those things as complete rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having righteousness that comes to my own by working, by trying to earn my own way to some kind of salvation, but which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Something completely changes in Paul. And what this example is setting to us that, you know, to follow Jesus, it's not just a case. Christianity cannot be something we just tag on to our lives. We looked at yesterday that Jesus is God. So then what? Is believing him enough? Do we just tag that on? That's great. I'll carry on living my life and I'll just kind of have this here that's a Christian and hopefully one day I'll go to heaven. Paul goes that step further and he says, no, everything needs to change. Jesus calls for your life. When he says, come and follow you, he really means it. He says, drop everything. Drop everything. Paul writes in Romans 6 where we start that we need to die to what we were before. There's a spiritual death that happens so that Jesus gives us new life. And let me tell you guys, this new life is worth so much more than the one you had before. You know, I talked to you before about who I was before Jesus. Let me tell you, who I am now with Jesus is so much different, man. When I said to the Lord, I'm willing to die to who I am before. I'm willing to die to all this stuff. Every time Jesus has said, Dan, you need to leave this. You need to drop finances. You need to be willing to give up your job at somebody's called me. You need to be willing to give up your relationship, Dan. You need to be willing to give up um, whatever it is he calls me to. Every time I've dropped it, what he's had in place is so much better. It's not better in the terms of earthly value. I've been poorer because of following Jesus. Paul was far for, poorer for following Jesus. I've lost friends because of following Jesus. Paul lost everyone he held to. Everyone that thought he was cool. Everyone that held him. All the respect he earned, he lost it. I've lost respect among my mates because at one point I was saying those Christians are, are, are stupid. Like They're all boring and things like that. And suddenly I'm saying Jesus is the only way. That's what Paul did. He lost all his respect. But let me tell you, what we gain in Christ is worth so much more. It's a new life. It's a guarantee of salvation with him. It's a guarantee of our place in heaven with him. But more than that, we don't just respond to him so that we get into heaven. We respond now so that heaven enters us. We become light in a dark place, you know. We become light in a place that's, that's, that's messy, that's challenging, where there's, you just have to watch the news and realize that it's a hard place to live. But we become light in that. Paul was in prison and think, I can't now go around preaching the gospel. So what do you do? He preached it to the guards. He preached it to anyone that would listen because he's thinking, I've got something that's worth so much more, so much more than what I've ever had before. And this is the call for you guys today. And it's a choice you have to make, you know. It's like what we were talking about yesterday. Your parents' faith won't save you or won't sustain you. You've got to know Jesus for yourself. 
You cannot be told to follow Jesus. I can't tell you to follow him because the Bible's call is to die to our old way. I can't tell you to do that because you can say to me, okay, Dan, and then nothing change. You've got to decide for yourself, your own personal decision, that I don't want to be who I was before. I don't want to be even who I am now. I want something to change in me. You might not even know what it is that needs to change. But I want to die to something so I can have this new life in Jesus Christ. So I can start following him for the rest of my life and go on this journey of what it means to be a Christian, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to welcome the band back up now. You will have a chance in a moment to respond to Jesus in some way, in some way that you want to. Many people did that yesterday. There'll be people here that did that yesterday as well. And, and you'll have a chance to do that in a moment. But what we're going to do now, what we're going to start is, is we're all just going to respond together in a song. We'll have a moment to just declare that Jesus is our Lord. To just start in that, in that place of just looking up at a king and reflecting inside, is this something you want? Is this something you want? And we'll do it. So let me, let me pray. Let me pray. And the band will... Um, the band will lead us. Jesus, the, the call to follow you is a hard one, Lord. You call us to give our all, Lord Jesus. And that's not always easy because the world, <laughs> the world offers so much that looks so good. But you say, I'll give you something far better, Lord when the people respond to you, Lord Jesus, and say, we will be light in a dark place. We will follow you, Lord. We want heaven to enter us. We want you to come. We want to be more Christ-like. We don't want to be like Adam. We don't want to be like the world. We don't want to just be in sin. We want to be in Jesus, Lord. Something amazing happens in that moment when we make that personal decision. And I just pray right now that you speak to every single person here, Lord, individually. Individually, Lord. There needs to be an individual response to this. Will you speak to every heart, to every mind, Lord Jesus? Will you just bring up what it is that we need to die to? What is it that we're holding on to as our God, as something worth far more than you are to us, Lord Jesus? And will you reveal yourself in a new way right now, Lord Jesus, even as we sing, Lord? Will you reveal yourself afresh or for the first time, Lord? That's the cry of my heart. I know it's the cry of many here, Lord Jesus. We want to meet you, Lord. Mm-hmm.